Michael, as you know, I'm doing another podcast right now this month. What? It's not just an important thing. Are we breaking up? We're not breaking up. Okay, thank God. But I was wondering if it would be okay if I interviewed you for that podcast and then played it there and we can even put it here too. Sure. I'd love that. Wait, so do I have to use like a different voice or something? My friend Michael is internet famous. He goes by Rands on the internet. He writes blogs at Rands and Repose, a whole bunch of blog posts about leadership, about being a person. He's also written multiple books on leadership. His most recent is Small Things Done Well. His probably more famous book is Managing Humans. And I actually liked Being Geek, the first book I read of his. He also runs a forum of almost 20,000 people talking about leadership. It runs it in a Slack channel. He used to work at Slack, running the engineering and helped re- grow the company quite big. He now works at Apple as, I don't know the exact title, he runs the teams that run Mail, Apple Mail, and Apple Messages, and I think a few other things too. It's impressive. He's impressive. For the last three years, we've been doing a podcast together called The Important Thing. On that podcast, we always try to think of one topic and talk about it. That's the important thing for that episode. So we sat down to record for January and I asked him if he'd do this podcast with me. We'll probably double post it, I guess. In any case, here's my friend Michael Lopp, Rands on the Internet. What drives you? You're in a place in your life right now where you don't necessarily need to do the hard job that you're doing. Yep. You could focus on writing. You could, you could do a lot of other things. But you are at a company that takes a lot of time and energy and doing a job that's hard. Boy, howdy. What drives you to do that? I've been thinking about this pretty hardcore for a couple of years now. What drives me? I think the simple, simple, simple answer is, and, and there's detail behind it, is I have to have a sense of productivity. I have to have a sense that I am building something. And that's not like getting a hammer and a nail and some wood and building something. It can be any number of things. For example, if you go look at my to-do list right now, I am working on a new edition of a book. I am working on uh, a charging station for a bunch of hardware that I have. And I'm working on a a children's book that I recently rediscovered (laughs) this uh, notebook that I had lost. (laughs) I thought of all of these, this world building that I did. So that's three of 11 things on the list that I have chosen to tell you. (laughs) And um, so those are the things I have to like, and by the way, on top of that, I'm working with four teams that do really important things at Apple as well. Um, so, but it's actually more a little more nuanced than that. It's productivity, but it has to be, it has to scratch an itch for me that is somehow interesting. Like the charging station. Well, that sounds boring. 
like, no, it's not. I have I have a lot of hardware because I work at Apple. So I'm like always doing installs and everything and things are constantly like, I've got a lot of hardware. Um, so how am I going to solve that? I'm going to get this box. I'm going to get this, I got to get this extension cord. I got to figure out how to plug it in. I got to do all this. Thing. It's this little puzzle. It's a tiny little thing, but it's like interesting to me because once I have that, I'll be like, cool. I'll always have the latest hardware with the latest bits and blah, blah, blah and everything. And life will be perfect. <laughs> um, Wait, what, what, why is building that hardware box? Because you're solving a pain point in your life that you have things get uncharged and you're not, not charging them. Yeah, yeah. So why build that yourself versus trying to get someone else to build it or find something and buy it? Like, what is it that's motivating you to focus on that? In, in this one case, it's uh, that I know I can do it and I don't have to like teach myself a ton of like carpentry and stuff. It's like, it, it's an achievable thing. And I, I'm willing to invest that much time to actually do it. And it's going to solve this problem that I have is like, which hardware is blah, blah, blah. So it's like, it's, it's achievable. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to be productive and there's going to be value created from it. Those four things probably, and it's, there's something interesting to me in there, probably related to learning a little bit more about a set of things. So that's, that's the thing that drives me. I have to have, and then by the way, if those are absent and I'm like, like Saturday and I don't have one of those things it takes me about half hour to an hour to start getting grumpy. Mm. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm giggling about it, but it's real. Like if I don't have a, something in front of me, which I is engaging that I can kind of stimulates me, I will invent something or I'll start to be like, Grr, and mm-hmm. I'll usually get on a bike and ride for does, three hours. And does I'm Rochelle notice, do. notice this about you as well? Yeah. Whole family does. <laughs> They know when I'm, well, I don't know if they know that it's a, it's the productivity gap, but they're aware that I'm getting cranky. Why do you think, do you, you get cranky when you're not being productive? I deeply believe that you only get to do this once. I'm sure I've told you this before. Like you, you get one kind of go around on this sort of thing. And you mean on like life, life in life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, not uh, properly using those minutes, those finite minutes to me makes me mad. Not like, like mad at the world, but like, just like, I could have the other day I was, we had a long weekend, uh, like a four day weekend. Cause there was a holiday in there. And one of those days I was in the hot tub with my wife cause we have a hot tub and we take a hot tub every night. It's not weird. Um, it's just a hot tub. <laughs> um, and it, I was like, let the day get away from me. And she knew something was wrong. Cause she's like, Oh, something's horrible. What's going on here? And she's like, tell me about it. And I'm like, I just, I didn't get anything done. Like I played some video games and then da, 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 and suddenly it was four o'clock and the days are short cause it's winter time. And it, I spiraled on it cause I was, I, I didn't use the minutes that I was given and I wasn't excited about the things I was doing. And after a while I was just sitting there uh, spinning my tires, going, oh, it's late in the day, so I can't really start anything, and da da and all this little story that you tell yourself about whatever. How did you recover from that situation? Uh, I sleep. <laughs> Every day is a restart, yeah. I, it It's a very structured, it's not very structured, but it's a, a structured approach. Like, I'm up, I'm kind of on the earlier side, because I want to, like, I don't want to sleep in too much. I don't, sleep. I don't like alarm clocks, so 7 o'clock. Coffee, to-do list get to work, blah, blah, blah. Things are going, it's click, 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 click. Things are going like, it's, it's like, and if something kind of knocks that out of rhythm, I'm like, Whoa, what's going on here? And I, and I, and it gets me a little bit grumpy. That's a work day, a, a play day, sleep in a little bit, 
coffee, breakfast to the family, two hours of video games, bike ride, back from bike ride, take a nap, take a shower, do whatever it is. Next thing, write some books, write, write, write the book, this sort of thing. And if I, like, it sounds so easy when I make that list, but like there's the days where I'm just kind of like, hmm, kind of rainy today, I can't go out yet, no one's making breakfast, da, da, da. like, and then I'm like, ooh, wow, I'm a little bit uh, off kilter. And that can, it's easily recoverable, I just feel like it stays bad, or it stays weird. Um, grumpy pants. Yeah, person. you you mentioned a trick you have about just writing down a few check boxes, and that you do yeah. those so that <laughs> so that you to get, start to get the engine going again. It's yeah. it's flow. We've talked about this many times before, which is that if, I'll sit there and I'll be like, okay, five things, do five things, and it, and I won't ever get to the fifth one because three, and I'll be like, oh, cool, I want to go down to the garage, and there's some boxes down there. I just wanted to like find the, the treasures in them and like make sure there's no rats eating the comics. You know, it's a, it's that sort of like thing that I do. It's people comment all the time to me that I do so much. How do you possibly do so much? And the thing is, if I don't, I don't enjoy my life as much. It's like yeah. making things, creating things, doing things is actually really important to my own feeling of worth or something. So then I question, yeah. well, why, why can't I f- just sit down and do nothing or even for me, even reading a book for a few hours feels like I've wasted something, which means I don't read as much as I think I probably should. I I totally, it's a side thing. I totally view reading as a productive thing. It's this telling of my story. And I'm like, we talked about this a couple times ago. I'm like reading The Witcher right now. And it's this great storytelling. And it's, but I also, I'm a writer. So I'm like, I feel like I'm sort of like investing in the future craft by reading this thing right now. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, you you get better at writing if you read. Yeah. yeah. But I also like, let's like go to a movie or watch some TV. I don't watch a lot of TV, but it's not because it's not entertaining or I like don't view it as, I just I kind of have other things I want to go do. But like, I, I love going to movies. I love being entertained. It's, it's definitely part of my uh, mental health is that downtime. I don't, it's not downtime that just, you know, consumption time. When was the last time you were stressed because you had too many things on your plate? Last fall, I was shipping some software. It was, it was bad. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> Way too many things. Like, yeah, we talked in a prior podcast about to do lists. I couldn't even, yeah, maintain the to do list. It was come in <laughs> and smell the smoke and head towards where the fire was. Yeah, and then when that fire was out. Look around. Oh, there's another plume over there, and do that. That was that. I had I had like about nine months of that. That's the worst. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Regular never listeners again. might understand that we're actually friends and talk about things that aren't necessarily oh. broadcasted. So we have talked a bit about this kind of stuff, and and the question I have for you, as a you know maybe other people can learn from it is. If you know that you're going to go through these stress points of things being really difficult and that's connected to a hard job, you could, of course, you know, find a job. If you felt you need to be busy, you could find a job that was easier for you to do, you know, less staff yeah. or less projects and right. phone it in and kind of like, you know, be, sol- be sol- solving things. I think we talked recently about you were you were looking at a company that was doing weather. Oh, yeah. Weather.com. I think windy, windy.com. Windy. Yeah, Windy.com. Yeah. I just edited that episode and and I think you've already published it, so we're good. But the um <laughs> you know, you were kind of compelled by that focus on something small and beautiful. Why not give that to yourself? Why do you feel driven to do 
a big role and a hard role and put yourself at the, you know, maybe one of the challenges time in your career. When I, when I look at like LinkedIn, I want to kind of see, I want to see a story being told. Go read my LinkedIn. I'll put it in the show notes and you will see a story being told from UC Santa Cruz to Borland to Symantec to Netscape to that startup you've never heard of to Apple to Palantir to Pinterest to Slack and then back to Apple. Makes me happy just to even make, give you the list. And like it's progression. There's like even the like returning to Apple, it's progression. And that's the thing is like it's uh, always forward. As I, I think I've told you before, like it's always has to be something where I'm moving ahead. And and that doesn't preclude what you're suggesting, which is cool. I'm going to like join this small startup in Sweden and be their VP of engineering. But mostly I'm going to be hacking on code and <laughs> doing data pipelines or weather or something. God, that sounds great, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> or whatever. But that's, that's not the narrative right now. The, the narrative, and it's not, the narrative isn't more, it's progress and there's learning and there's something new that I'm doing. And this version of Apple, because I, I came back to Apple after being away for eight, nine years. And um, it's different. And I'm doing something different and I'm learning things. And that's, and there is something about magnitude and scale because the things that I'm responsible for at Apple are used billions of times a day. And that's super interesting to me mm-hmm. to be building for the privilege of being able to build for all of those humans. And I like that. I like that scale. Is that for you? a personal feeling of fulfillment or is it an egotist feeling like what will people think of me? How much of that narrative for other people versus yourself? The vector or the measure to me is, does it matter? Like me tinkering in my forest nearby and taking out a bay tree because I don't, I want the oaks to grow. That's just for me, you know, and the scale is just for me and, and my home with my family. I love that. Um, the, the work thing is like me and 10 billion (laughs) (laughs) transactions a day or whatever it is, millions and millions of people. And the things, the things that we're building, the decisions that we're making are, are huge. It doesn't feel like that, by the way. It's not like we're saying, oh my, here we go. We're going to change the world. And it's not that, but you're aware of it. And you know, the Mac, you know, the importance of the work that you do. That's very, I don't know if that's egotistic. I like that. I like that. I have. I've earned that by working hard for the last 30 years and not everyone gets to do it. So I'm, I'm privileged to be able to do that. Do you think about that as a, as a legacy of some sort? Um, no, the legacy comes from the writing. I, I've written some books on leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard. And, <laughs> and uh, well, I don't know who we're talking to, where the audience is, if it's like a totally different audience or not. Of course. That, that to me is sort of uh, legacy is a pretty heavy word, but it's like, the thing I would love to remember for is like people like there's this like book managing humans like seven editions. Who's this guy? What is the first chapter? It says don't be a prick, which I almost edited out of the last version. I'm glad I didn't. And they're like, what what's going on here? And then they read it and they go like, it's pretty good. It's different. Wow, when was this written? Oh, well, I don't know. like that. That's the story I want people to when I'm when I'm dirt um, to like. That's the legacy. And there's all these products that I was. Uh, a small part of that's cool too, but I think the the capturing the lessons and making them giving them to other people in a way they they can read them and, and learn from them mm-hmm. that's that's the thing I think is important. You, you said you know this you believe that this is our this is our chance. There's not a second uh, thing. What do you what do you feel about God, for example? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh, I wish I had a pithy response to this. I'm open to the idea that something's going on there, but I haven't seen any proof that there is. <laughs> um, How do you feel about other people being really religious? I think it's absolutely great. Whatever you need to believe to get through the day, that is just fine. And that's like... Including yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like, as long as you're not actively hurting someone else by what your beliefs, this is not a great way to frame this, but it's like the, the world is just chock full of different humans believing different things. And they're all, it, it, some of them, there's some similarities between those beliefs, but it's like, there's totally different. Things. And it's working for them. That's great. Godspeed. <laughs> are you ever asked to participate in things that are of religious bent that makes you uncomfortable or are you cool with it? What, what's your, what's your level in that engagement? Curiosity, interest, frustration. Um, I, um, there's definitely the curiosity thing. I'm happy to participate and to be respectful of anyone. I will engage in a way that is, if you tell me what the, the, the rules are, like I absolutely will do that. Is it as fulfilling as other people who are in that ceremony? Um, sometimes, sometimes it is. I mean, like when have you been in church recently? Uh, people getting married, people passing away. Are those meaningful moments for me? 100%. Is it because God exists? No, it's because I'm here with people that I love, going through something joyous or something horrific. And we are together with each other, living together, uh, hopefully <laughs> close together and not socially distanced. Um, that's the thing that's meaningful to me is that we're the community of folks together doing stuff, believing things together in different ways, but getting along. Did you have a childhood of community where there was like almost extended cousins that you saw regularly? No, we, we moved from Minnesota before I was born. And so that like the core family, like cousins and whatnot, were all in Minnesota. So they were like the people you saw three times between, you know, two and 20. What about growing up with kids? Did you know kids when you were seven that you still knew when you were in high school? Yep. Yeah. I was a mountain kid. So we mountain kids all kind of hung together. Um, we, you know, extended it out to the Valley folks when we, <laughs> but the, there was like the mountain kids all kind of knew each other and kind of stayed some closer than others. But like, uh, even, even today, I, some of the folks from like middle school, I'm still in touch with them more so than high school friends. Besides school, were there other structures that got you together regularly? Church or something else? Parents pushed church a little bit, but it wasn't that big of a deal. No, it was the things that communities appeared for me were in high school and they were the sort of pre-internet BBS. And those, that was, that was the first time it was sort of outside of the regular structures of, of school. So school was the primary structure that I was hanging out with other folks. And it, it kind of exploded with the, pre, the BBS and then all the stuff that came after that and work. And D and D. I did D and D, but that was like with all the friends that were in junior high, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, was an opportunity to sort of like cross pollinate. Were you able to create the same kind of structure? I mean, you're, you grew, you raised your kids in the same environment, so I'm assuming they had the same kind of thing, the same yep. mountain experience. Yeah, mountain kids, and they're pretty close with them. But they went off to college, and kind of like me, like found a whole new suit of, uh, set of friends. So yeah, it's, in pro it's work in progress right now with with the second and the, the first is back, and all of his friends are from college. Do you get depressed? I do. Yeah, I do. 
Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's uh, I had a big bout of depression. Uh, let's see, when was that? Like ninety five, and I didn't know what it was, and I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Um, there was also I was getting panic attacks as well. Um, yeah, so maybe related to the depression, I don't know. Not a psychologist, not a doctor, but it was there was a period of time I was, and I realized only after the fact when I'd kind of gotten to the other side that I was like, oh, I was like depressed for like a good year and a half there. And I didn't understand it. I understand it now. And I can see the signs. This is, we were talking a little bit earlier. Um, like if I waste a day and I kind of feel that sort of that darkness coming over sort of the things that I view, you will not see the same person the next day. I will be up early. I will be eating a healthy breakfast. I will be on my bike by 8.30. I will be, you know, da 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 Everything, because I know, I know that I have the ability to kind of yank myself in a certain direction. And not a doctor, not a psychologist. And uh, maybe I'm just lucky that a um, after a kind of a, a gray day, the next day I can just like turn it completely around with exercise, with projects, with outside, with, you know, whatever it is. So... Does your prefrontal cortex get involved in that? Like consciously, I had a bad day today. I've got to do a better day tomorrow. I mean, it's not as, yes, absolutely. Like it's a conscious decision. Every night I'm planning the next day already. Like tonight, the outfit's already laid out. I know what time I'm waking up. I know that I'm going to McDonald's because tomorrow's an Egg McMuffin day because Egg McMuffins are amazing once a month. Um, but like, this is the, like this whole, this whole narrative has happened already. And here we are at like nine o'clock, a couple more hours before I go to bed. Right. So that's already like set. And it's like, and I'm, what I'm doing is I'm setting the stage for not just like that egg McMuffin, which is going to be delicious. Also, what do I have to do tomorrow? Cause I know it's on my calendar. So I know what outfit I need to wear both mentally and physically. Um, and so, and it's, and it's really, it's not that I'm like preparing to not be depressed. It's just that that's kind of how I work. But it, there is that like that prior day was awful. This next day needs to be different. And I know that the levers that I need to pull to make it different. You already have your clothes laid out. Oh yeah. Where do you lay them out? Do you have like a special piece of furniture? Right at the end of the bed. Right at the end of the bed. On the floor. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the theme tomorrow is blue. There's a, a blue watch. There's blue socks. I'm not uh, surprised you have themes. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that happened as part of it was um, I've been wearing the same clothes. So I closed my eyes and I pulled something off the shelf on the bottom. So I'm wearing whatever this is. And it happened to be blue, which is where the blue theme came from. And I built around the, the sweater that I pulled out. Is that like a ritual after, right after dinner you do that? Or is it kind of just sometime in the evening? Uh, it's um, It's a good question because not every there's something the next day that I am preparing for. And if the, t- the, next, the next day is like whatever weekend or light day, there'll be no outfit. If there's an outfit there, it means I'm preparing for something. And that's not like an ominous, like, Oh my God, here's happening. It's just like, I need to nudge myself this direction with this outfit and in this mindset. So at some point in the evening, afternoon, whatever you're at your home, you go, Oh, this thing tomorrow. Oh, wh- how do I need to think about that? Yep. Let's get dressed for it. Let's start, start thinking about, it. I'm going to get the muffin before it or whatever. Yep. Wow. When did you start doing that? Do you know? I don't know. I was 12. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Well, you know, actually, I just realized this. Well, therapy for me. This is what you and I do on these things. Well, you remember, um, do you remember as a kid, 
when school started, you laid your, out, your outfit out. Like the first couple of days. Sure. Because you were so excited to go back and your mom got you those Billy the Kid uh, jeans. And you were like, I'm going to look sharp and smart. That's not what was going on. It wasn't about the outfit. I was excited to be with the people again. And you wanted to look good. Even though you didn't even know what looking good was because you were wearing Billy the Kid jeans. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is me. <laughs> In fact, you looked like a total dork. I have pictures of me being a dork at that time. But well, why not do that every day? Be excited uh, the next day. And be wearing the blue outfit. And I've got this beautiful watch. Nomos. It's made in uh, Germany. And uh, got all these, and like, like it's, I'm excited. I'm, I could tell you about that outfit has been delivered and thoughtful. And it comes from that being excited about for laying your clothes out for going back to school. Why not do that every day? Are you psyching yourself up to be excited? Totally. <laughs> I'm getting excited <laughs> just telling you about this. <laughs> <laughs> I like the outfit. I've got these great jeans. I've got a new belt that I'm trying on. So, yeah. It's interesting how when you do have habits that, help you to be productive or help you to have a good outlook. That's a really strong pattern to get into. I mean, that's probably helped you throughout your life. I think so. Yeah. Does Rochelle do that too? Um, she usually works out. So I don't think, no, not in this way that I'm describing all of this, like detritus and mental. Do your kids? I don't think so. I don't know. How about your dad? No, I don't think so. Huh, interesting. Interesting. I'm one of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody else that does that, but it's such a good idea because getting yourself prepared for the next day. Also, it's the, for me, it's the way I always taught my kids if they're having trouble going to sleep, how to get to sleep. All oh. you do is you start to think, or this is how I do it. I start thinking about what will might be my stuff tomorrow. And the reason that's kind of nice is that, of course, you kind of daydream into sleep. But then you're also kind of like when you wake up, you're like, oh, yeah. This was what I was going to do. There's a thing about that that's nice. Oh, that's another thing that is related to the clothing on the floor thing. I don't know what mentally is going on, but in the morning, it is infinitely harder. It's much harder for me to pick out an outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm getting up and I'm having my coffee and I'm like, what, what's today? Da, da, da. And it's like I'm tired. And whatever the little mechanical, chemical awesomeness that's going on that I can like, blue, let's do a blue outfit. Um that is not where my head's at at 7.52 in the morning. So that's the other thing is I just don't want to think about it. One of the nicest things my wife does for me is when she's seeing the outfit not there, she probably has some spidey sense about like something going on. I Sometimes I come down and go to bed and the outfit's on the floor for me. And I'm like, ooh. And it's sort of the same thing, except there's this gift that came from this person that I love, right? But it's sort of the same thing. I'm like, cool, I don't have to worry about this at all. There's an outfit here. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, no, best is not working for me today or whatever. And sometimes I'm like, I'm like, I would have never picked that outfit, but I'm going to wear it. Go for it. Sweet. Is this outfit everything you're going to wear? Is it socks and underwear as yeah, well? Yeah, or is it just a, like yeah. socks, underwear, everything except the shoes. Shoes I'll sometimes pull out, but shoes are kind of obvious when you look at the outfit. Yeah. And is this laid out like a lop flattened or is it no. stacked? Yeah, that's a that's good that's a good edit. No, it's I mean they're there. It's I think everything is like if it's a nice shirt it'll be hanging, but like it's just yeah. it's sitting on the it's laying on the floor, but not like laid out like you know this is what I'm gonna look like. It's just like I kind of do it all. That. But everything's there like socks and underwear, and so I don't. There's no. In fact, I this one the blue the blue outfit actually has. Does it have the shoes? I know what shoes I'm gonna wear, but even if they're not laid out. <laughs> 
This is gold. I love this. I didn't even know this was a thing. <laughs> Interesting. I never. I don't know how we'd have ever gotten in here. This is no, kind of. No, I would have never. Written. By the way, let's talk about. Oh, I lay out outfits before I go to sleep to keep myself from getting depressed. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever written a blog post about being prepared for the next day? Um, I did. I had this piece called the Ninety Days, and it's I actually just referred or when I was telling you the story of going back to school. Um, and I was writing this article for a friend who was starting a new job, and she was like, "What do I do?" It's like uh, going back to school. You just want to lay out your outfit. Except I talked about more other more things that it, to kind of walk through in the first ninety days, not just the outfit, but everything else that you want to want to prepare for. So it was the metaphor, not the actual like therapy that I'm doing with you here. <laughs> As we've been talking, I forgot that we're doing this uh, lunch with Lyle podcast. Is that the one we're doing right now? Okay, cool. Yeah, and the audience doesn't necessarily know you. At the same time, this is good content for both shows. So maybe I'll just mix it for both and refer to the two. Whatever. Cool. But. Therefore, you love, uh, you have proponent on having one-on-ones with people you work with, having mm-hmm. meetings set aside yep. to build the relationship and help each other out. Yep. And that's, uh, you could read a lot more at Rands and Repose if you want to know about one-on-ones. But in doing that over the years, and you've gotten advice from people, I'm sure, that helped you or changed you. Can yep. you think of anything of that nature that you received that actually changed the way you look at things or the way you do things? Um. It's too broad of a question. The answer is 1,000% yes, but I like a specific one. It's I talk a lot on this podcast, which people think I may probably thinks means I talk a lot of work and nothing could be further from the truth because I mostly do a lot of listening. It's probably why I talk so much on this podcast with you. It's because I'm normally just like, like if we were going to do a one-on-one, I think we've done this before. I think we played this game where like, no, we did an interview. We did a fake interview before. Um, right. Which we didn't air, which was... We didn't air. We can do do another one sometime. But if it's a one-on-one, you would talk 90% of the time and I would talk 10%. And and it's not... One of the things I learned at a one-on-one, or I learned about one-on-one, was someone I worked with. Someone was asking her, what's it like having a one-on-one with Lop? And she said, it's warm my heart. (laughs) She said, when you have a one-on-one with Lop, Lop... You feel like the most important person in the world. And I went, that is exactly what, I mean, I, that, that was not the goal in my head, those words. But that was the thing because work is hard and it's comp- complex things and things are hard and da, da, da. And then you got these radars and bugs and things and all you're doing. And it's like, let's spend 30 minutes just kind of like, like, tell me what's going on. Right. And like, I say it like that and I'm like, want to throw up in my mouth because I would never say that. I will say something based off the last three conversations we have. And I know that you're struggling with blah. And, I, and I'm going to think about that probably not before when I'm working on my outfit. And <laughs> I'll be like, hey, I was thinking about that conversation we had last time when you said you were struggling with blah. What do you think about this? And that question is designed to do one thing, to get us talking about something and get you talking to me about this thing that, that is very important to you. And like, that's, it's my joy to, to, to do that. But it's why I've talked so much on the podcast. Cause I don't talk to one-on-ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the way I was going to ask that question at first was uh-huh. I'm assuming that you've run into people that you started a bound with through one-on-one. Maybe they worked for you right. and you noticed something they were doing and went, Oh, I don't do that that way. And the reason I don't is, because whatever this person needs to hear that that's not always the way you have to do it. Is that, is that a kind of thing that you've seen come up sometimes? Um, I wouldn't say it like that because different strokes are different folks, but like 
Am I trying to correct behavior? Is that what your is that what your hypothesis or your hypothetical is? I'm imagining you've got some tricks up your sleeve that are really that you'll run into people that don't have them and you go, you know what? Yeah. This would probably work in this situation. That's yep. kind of what I'm looking for. I do that all the day long. My goal when I teach you that lesson is to not teach you the lesson, but they'll let you figure out the lesson. And it's not a sneaky thing. It's not a duplicitous thing. It's, it's, the, it's probably my, my baggage about being told things, but I will probably say something like, huh, what, how'd that go? What did you think about what Mary said? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Do you think she was right? Oh, yeah, I agree. So we should do that, right? Like, because she was, that was pretty smart, right? Yeah, okay, great. All right, I love your plan. (laughs) 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 What did I do? Mary said something. She had a better idea. Um, You disagreed for reasons that you didn't understand. You didn't see the whole, like, and and by the way, I I told Mary to say that too, by the way. Um, um, I'm being pithy about and making it sound like devious. It's not at all the way. It was like, like there was a reason I wanted Mary to say that thing. I wanted you to hear that. And I wanted you to see that situation. And then I wanted you to, to discover the truth of what happened there. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a much better way than I said it the first time where it was like, and I'm making up the situation by the way, but that's the thing. But that's the real way people learn to change, right? right? Is that they realize it themselves. You can't really just tell someone what to do because then they're not understanding the context of why. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody was depressed or not getting enough sleep or whatever and you were able to help them out? I I like to think I have, but having, having dealt with that myself, it's, it's, it's very much a personal thing that I mentioned earlier, like I had panic attacks and I don't know what happened and I never did any research on this, so I don't know what it was, but I've noticed that that men in like mid thirties or so I've, I've seen this and maybe this is like high tech stress or something like that. I, I've heard, I had multiple people that I've worked with be like starting to say the same things to me about things I was wrestling with, like these panic attacks. And I know what it is cause I've gone through it and he was like, yeah, I was doing this thing and I'm like, did this happen? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, and then this, and they're like, what? Right. Cause I was there and I know like your hands get sweaty or this or whatever the, whatever the symptoms are. And, and I, I like to think I helped just by going like, Hey, just, so you know, like 10 years ago, this is what was happening to me. And it, and it was, it was weird. And I didn't, I wasn't like out of shape. I wasn't eating poorly. I was working hard, but like everything else was normal. And suddenly I'd be in this meeting and I, I, you know, I couldn't breathe, um, or whatever it was. Um, and, uh, it was a phase, something physio- physiologically was changing in me, and it was in the past, and not like immediately, it was like a year and a half or so, and maybe it was exercise or something else that I did or whatever. But I was there as a sympathetic person, not going like, whoa, something's wrong with you. It was just like, yeah, <laughs> I've been there, and I, this is what I did, and this is what helped. So maybe, but like, no one ever filled out a report card and told me if I actually helped. <laughs> Last week, I gave you uh, one of the episode box art, the, the important thing episode box arts that I had drawn. Yeah. I think it was, I don't remember which one it was, probably the one with Jinx on the cover or something. And I handed it to you at like two o'clock in the morning through Slack, right? And the next yeah. day you were like, what were you doing awake? What's, what mm. the hell? You right. seemed surprised <laughs> in the tone of the text. Yeah. What were you doing awake at 2 a.m., Kyle? 
couldn't sleep. What's your sleeping habit? Oh, I'm I'm I I go to sleep at eleven eleven. Eleven eleven. It's kind of weird. I don't like alarm clocks because I had a in high school I had a zero period at Los Gatos High. It was oh. like the honors. Yeah, like it was like up at five thirty or something. I've seen like that. River has one of those this quarter, and it's just it's a nightmare for the entire it's house. It's a nightmare. It's, and uh. and they're up, and you hear them, and I'm like, imagine being that person. Um, here's, oh, I'm up with her. <laughs> well, Maggie's most of the time, but sometimes I am too. Yeah, but go on. Here's the thing. Like, I did it for two years, my freshman and my sophomore year. And um, you would think I got better. I got used to it. I never did. I never, I never adjusted. Like, like I was always, I always, when the alarm went off, I clenched my fist and I banged it and snoozed three times or whatever the thing was. I broke the snooze bar on like three alarm clocks because I was hitting the phone so hard. Sorry, the, the, the clock so hard. Never got, hated it. What was the, what did the alarm sound like? The worst sound in the world. I don't know. <laughs> I know that one. Yes. <laughs> it's a certain era alarm clock. It's horrible. It's horrible. Anyway, but when I didn't have to anymore, starting in college, I would not take early classes because I'm just not a morning person. But I don't, um, I don't like alarm clocks because of that. And I will do them. I have to have to fly or whatever it is. But if it's just like, eh, get up a little earlier, it's like, no, I'm going to let my body naturally wake up when it needs to. Like this morning, I told Michelle, my wife, that I was getting up at seven. She got up at seven. She was making coffee. I'm like, open my eyes, like 830. I'm like, that's what I needed. My body knew. Um, but when I go to sleep, I, I have a pattern. We go to, you know, we go to start around 930, 945, uh, get ready, take a hot tub, chat, in bed 1030, read for a while. But I always look over at the clock and it's always like 11.11. Like I don't, like I'm not checking at 11.09 or whatever. It's like my brain knows that. So I'm usually, and like eight out of 10 times, I'm asleep pretty quickly. And then there's two out of 10 times where I'm like, what's going on here? And it takes like an hour or two. In that pattern, when's the last time you look at a screen? Um, I'm reading on the iPad right now. Um, and I'm not super jazzed about that. I kind of like books in your hands better. I think it's probably easier for your eyes. But my wife reads all the phone all the time. She sleeps okay. <laughs> what about you? 2 a.m. Tell me the story, Lyle. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask one more thing about the iPad. <laughs> Does that iPod also have work email and Slack on it? And no, stuff? no, 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 no. So it is just a reading thing. No, there's no work devices. I mean, I could get to it, but it's read Reddit. Uh, read uh, Instagram or read a book. I will not check. I will check the mail first thing in the morning, but I'm not looking at any work things, Slack or anything on there. It's not even like I'm tempted. Like I'm not even thinking about that because I'm in this sort of gentle downslope into sleep. So I have a tendency to, I the time of day that I enjoy for myself is after everyone else has gone to sleep. Gotcha. And so that's what happens to me. So I, have a nice, you know, yeah, hot tub with Maggie. And then we chat for a while or watch something together and fall asleep. And then she'll be asleep. And about 20 minutes later, I'll get up and start doing stuff. And it's a habit I need to break. I need to get into the sleep mode. And I I feel like it might be about, you know, the holding on to the day or something. Maybe the pattern there is just to think about all the good things that can happen the next day so I can get to sleep. Yeah. Like lay out your outfit, man. (laughs) I like this idea. It doubly... 
right now I'm doing, because I'm doing this podcast every day, I'm, you know, recording an interview with somebody for about an hour and then that takes at least twice as long to edit. So that's extra three hours of stuff during the day. And I haven't. Are you going to edit this tonight? Yes. Well, I will publish an episode tonight and I haven't edited it yet. I interviewed somebody else today. I interviewed somebody else today. So I'll probably edit that one and then release this one with you tomorrow. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. I'm like, we're going to go a little bit longer here and then I'm going to. I'm going to do one more check-in on stuff. I'm actually glanced and there's nothing that's come in there. And then um, I'll start the process of landing the plane. I have about I like like it. an hour or so. Yeah. No, it's, um, Rochelle has a, one of my favorite things about my wife is that she's a preparer. Like when we sit down at dinner, like we had tacos tonight. Um, tacos, like seven dishes and you build your own taco, right? She's, she and my daughter were cooking tonight. And then, so they, dinner time, come down, we sit down. And I, you know, one sits down and I start building my taco. Cheese. And I'm like, cool. Um, I'm usually done with about three quarters of taco. And Rochelle is still working on preparation for her first taco. Because she wants to get it just right. And I make fun of her for this. But I am the fool, actually, because oh, I'm gonna pull it all together here because of the laying out of the outfit, right? What am I doing? I'm preparing myself. I didn't learn this from her. Maybe I did learn it from her. I don't know. But she's sitting there, spending so much time getting her taco just right, so that when she does the experience, she's like, "Great, this is the best taco I've ever had." Right? It's genius. She's. She, we're all working it's for really, Rachel. <laughs> it's really living in that moment, right? It's really yeah. making the most of what you're doing. As opposed to like, just like, <laughs> and move on to the next thing, right? She's, she's, we've talked before about like every minute being meaningful, right? Can we talk about it this yeah. time? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like, it is. She, 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 she's sitting there and preparing herself to like do this, this process of eating a taco. And she's really like, and I've stopped making fun of her because I now believe that she's actually doing it the right way. Um, she's enjoying every moment. She's like maximizing every moment. Do you tease people at work? I do, but in a nice way. <laughs> Would everybody say that? Um, probably not. <laughs> I think that comedy teasing is a strong word. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we take ourselves pretty seriously. I work at Apple. I, I don't know which audience we're talking to. And I got, I've gotten some feedback before. They're like, we love meetings with you because it's always a little bit lighter. I'm like, good. That's what I was going for. Because <laughs> like, especially when I'm running a meeting, I know it's very important what we're doing. But I think sometimes it's, I just find the silliness and like, cool. Hey, everybody. All 74 of you sitting here on this WebEx with me right now. All 74, <laughs> 40 of you with your cameras off, doing nothing. I'm sure that you, you're paying full attention, right? I think I'm holding up the mirror, right? You know, and I'm just, you know, I'm just having a little, I'm having a little fun just because I think that's important. Recognizing <laughs> the moment and having some fun about it. I yeah. just, I, I think cleverness and, and jokes and these sort of, I think it's just, it makes life a little bit more bearable. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about you as a person that I find like you are extremely successful in business. You're successful in your health. You know, you ride regularly. 
mm-hmm. um, and you're, you know, do that out of joy and, and necessity from your brain. We've talked yep. about that yep. kind of stuff before that it, you, you need it in some ways. How do people set their lives up to be like that? Like I have not gotten in my exercising thing. I not, I do it when I think, Oh God, I should be doing that. I don't have a passion for it. Are you just lucky? <laughs> I, well, I want to live a long time. So in my head, I'm like, I'm pretty sure one of the pieces of math I do with myself when I bike, I'm like, hey, I'm adding three minutes to my life. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Probably. It seems like a reasonable trade-off. I don't know. Um, But the point is that there is an ROI to it, a a, a tangible ROI to it. So I truly believe that exercise... um, a certain type of exercise. Cause like there's exercise I hate gyms are the worst. Um, bikes are great because we've talked about many times I getting exercise, but I'm working, I'm working on stumbling around the ideas in my head. And I found like both the joy of like learning things on my bike as well as the exercise. That's all. There's all of this stuff that combined makes it really obvious to me that it's a good thing to do. And before biking, there was hockey, which was people dynamics and high speed, craziness and interesting calculus with balls and sticks. (laughs) Like it was great. Um, Different, but also actually driving to hockey and back of hockey was actually similar to, um, to the biking. And that I, I always tell people like, I've got to drive the hour to the ice rink in that hour. I'd be doing the work that I would do when I'm on my bike. So um, there's something about that sort of like exercise mindset mindset that is really productive to me. But the whole point is like, I, I don't do this because, it's on a checklist. I do it because there's obvious value to me to it that I can see every time that I do it. Not, not just in sort of like waking up the next day and feeling like, oh, that was 30 miles. <laughs> I can feel that in my knees. Um, it's that like I got the exercise and all the work that I did when I was on it. It was that's it's not a lucky thing. It's that I can see the value in doing the work. Thank you, Michael. Sure. Well, that was awesome. I'm not sure what episode we're doing here, but I I, to talk I, think, it, I think it kind of worked for both both shows. So maybe I'll just do that. Tease it I out. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm creating a huge amount of editing work for you. It does happen that way. <laughs> I, will, uh, I will look forward to the end of January when I'm not doing these episodes every single day. At the same time, they've been changing how I think about the world. It's, it's a fantastic experience. Do you have an important thing about the interview that we just did with you about you? Sleep? Uh, the one where Lyle asked Lop about depression. <laughs> I was trying That's to find the thread that you were going there. It was sort of like this, I don't know, what was the theme? You, you, it's your th- well. Yeah, it, this, this podcast is not really thematic in that way, but it is about how I think about a person I'm about to talk with, talk with and what I think is impressive about them in some ways. And, and your ability to be you know, extremely successful in business, but also seem to have a calmness about you. So I just kind of wanted to poke around a bit about that. Those are the things I was thinking about. Can I tell you two things um, that are important? I don't think I'm that successful <laughs> and you will disagree and da, da, da. But like, I understand what you're saying, but like, I don't feel that successful. I know that the story is that I've done that, but I don't actually feel that. That's one thing. Um, Even when you're reading your LinkedIn profile and it tells a good narrative? <laughs> I know it's a good story. I was watching this thing with Tom Brady. You know, how many Super Bowls you won? Like 97 or something like that. Um, I like to think that 
he said, I got a chip on my shoulder. I got to prove myself. Tom Brady doesn't need to prove himself to anybody. But Tom Brady is getting a lot of mileage out of believing he needs to prove himself to something. And, and I thought this before I watched the Tom Brady video, was I'm the same way. There is more to do. There's always more to do. And I think it's probably a defense mechanism or a little psychological trick that I'm playing with myself. It's like, not done yet, more to do. That's the thing. Um, when I start selling on my success, I'm like, I have other things that I want to do. And I can't actually tell you what they are. Okay, you said two things important. One, you don't think of yourself as successful, and that probably leads to you being driven to do more and more. You said things that you noticed about a person. Um, you, you said I was successful, and then you said something else about me. That you... Also, um, at ease or or oh, peaceful or not peaceful, but not stressed out. It's stressed out a lot more than you see. That's the other part. Like, like a lot. The inner the inner dialogue is not what you are reading or what you are seeing. What is your inner dialogue that's stressful <laughs> about failure? Uh, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, uh, imposter syndrome, blah, 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 all that stuff. The, I really like that what you see is calm and thoughtful, but like what's going on in here? Like my, my sleep thing is that um, great. I go to sleep, sleep well. I, if I am stressed about anything, and I'm sure I've told you this before, I, I wake up at four o'clock, panicked about it, whatever the thing is. And by the way, sometimes the thing is like a tiny little thing. But whatever is going on chemically in my brain at 4 a.m. and the systems are flushing, whatever, it's like I wake up panicked about the ding on the refrigerator, the new refrigerator. And like you should giggle because it's just a ding on a refrigerator. Who the fuck cares? Um, it's stressing me. What what happened there? Like, And I will really? spend 45 minutes like stressing. That's a stupid little thing. And then, then there's like the huge big things like what am I doing with this incredibly hard project and how am I going to get it basically like – any of those things. And that's, that's how I know I'm stressed out, which is why I will probably work out more the next day because I need to be more tired and, and sleep through it. That's your pattern? That's what you do for solving that? I try to. I try to. But it's not, it's not predictable. Like I can mm-hmm. – like I had it last night on like dumb topics and I had a huge workout yesterday. So it's – the brain's doing something. It's processing. In how some long way. are you up at 4 o'clock? Like an hour? Anywhere from like a half hour to like two hours. Oh, that could be bad. Yeah, yeah. But like, I always take it as a sign of a, it's a bug report, right? It's like, okay, double X, really stressed out about this thing. If I can actually find out what it is, because sometimes I can't, I'm like, it's just that ding in the door, which <laughs> like, no, <laughs> but sometimes you can like, like wander around. You're like, oh, oh, it's a kid thing. I'm worried about the kid and how he or she is doing this or that. But I got it. I understand. So it's, it's, it's a bug report. So there's something to be triaged and fixed, or at least triaged. <laughs> I'm glad that you gave those two answers because that definitely aligns more with most of these interviews have been. There's this a person that I think is amazing at connecting with people and writes letters <laughs> and all this stuff. I am amazing at connecting with people. <laughs> and then I talk to them and I find out that they've slowed down on that and it's not as what they want and they've got an inner voice. Like this kind of thing is the human condition. Yeah, of course it is. Well, thank you, Michael. Sure.